The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. The email address, if you want to register your thoughts and suggestions and complaints and don't air your dirty laundry, though. H2O at SciFiForMe.com. That'd be a very cold open that you just did right there. Yes, it would. I do them every now and then because <laughs> I'm cold that way. Um, my name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor at SciFiForMe.com. And sitting across from me is Timothy Harvey. Hello. Editor at HorrorForMe.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, occasional misanthrope. Occasional. Yes. <laughs> and uh, this is... Episode 103. It's a a good number of episodes. That's a good number of episodes. We've done a few. Yeah. We're almost good at this now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do want to encourage you, though. uh, Last last week, well, earlier this week, we dropped an episode of the Echo Chamber in which we continued a discussion that started here regarding copyright and the Axonar CBS legal battle. And some other things. So uh, if, if you're not following the Echo Chamber podcast, you can find that over on iTunes or Stitcher or, uh, or over on our main site. Tonight, we're going to talk about pilot season as I pop my plosives into the microphone. There you go. Yes, pilot season. Uh, this is the time when the networks are starting to uh, gear up for new shows that are on order. Uh, they decide, we're going to go ahead and shoot a pilot of this particular show and see if we like it and order it to series. So we're in the very, very beginning preliminary stages of this. And this past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of casting announcements. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're trying to get them posted over to the to the website as quickly as possible. But we're we have a lot, a lot of them. Where should we start? Well, okay. Um, let's let's break this down. All right. So uh, you want to go by network? Let's you go, by go by network. Yeah. Go by network. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, or do you want to go by? Or do you want to go by uh, um, uh, genre? Comic book or science fiction or oh, you know it's it, it's, <laughs> it's six and one half dozen. I know there's, there's just a there's lot of it. Um, finding everything. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's let's go through the stuff that we've already posted to the site, and then we'll go from there. Uh, NBC. Well, let, we can go even. Well, do we want to cover Star Wars? It's technically not. I mean, they had some casting news for Episode Eight. Benicio, and we knew we knew about Benicio del Toro, right? Uh, but Laura Dern, yeah, added to that cast. That was a surprise. Well, at this point, honestly, if anybody is asked to be in a Star Wars movie, are they going to say no? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, clearly, <laughs> if they were to come to me and say, "Well, Mr. Harvey, um, do you want to be in the movie?" I'd be like, "Eh." Thug number two. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, no one's going to see it. And it's so far away. I know. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, that's that. That was that was a surprise. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so the beginning of all of the casting announcements, we started with uh, you know a while back. We got you know Jason Patrick going to Wayward Pines. Mm-hmm. Right. We got our lead for uh, Legion. Dan Stevens is going to play uh, the lead there. Uh, Elizabeth Banks has been cast as Rita Repulsa in the new Power Rangers. Which is actually the only reason I think I may watch the new Power Rangers. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan, and yeah. I was I was the wrong. I was too old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they when they really hit to, to them to really appeal to me at the time, and the uh, the friends of mine who had kids, the, they were too young. Mm. So it was. You right, the, you're right in between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and they released a, a they released a synopsis and a cast photo today. I yeah, believe. Yeah, I saw that. I saw uh, that. So I'll have to get with Mr. Hackworth and see see what his coverage is going to involve. They look like, they he's, look like our, bunch, he's our Power Rangers they look like guy. A, a group of actors. Yeah, <laughs> young one. Young yeah, youngest, I mean, it's just, again, it's and I'm yeah. I'm. I am not the target demographic for this particular right. show. So, speaking of a group of actors, we have a group on Powerless, the new NBC DC Comics, right? Yes. Office workplace comedy. That's going to go well. I don't know. I... Look, it's an office. It's an office workplace comedy with superheroes. Okay. Yeah, but we're not going to see the superheroes. We see the fallout from the superheroes. It's the insurance company that has sure. to deal with what happens. So with it'll, well, okay. Do you remember, remember, remember the show Better Off Ted? Uh huh. I for whatever reason, every time I hear about this, I keep thinking Better Off Ted. And if it, if they can at least capture that level of just um corporate workplace lunacy shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and 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 honestly, if they if they play it completely straight faced, like. You know, oh, yeah. Well, it's Thursday. You know, yeah. uh, it 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 has it has the potential to work. It all depends on how they do it. I mean, the, right. and we just don't know yet. Yeah. Well, Vanessa Hudgens mm-hmm. right. uh, is the lead, and she's going to play. I have to I have to click my clicks here. Vanessa Hudgens will play the character named Emily Locke in the new series *Powerless*, uh, and she's this is she's an insurance claims adjuster. Mm-hmm. Loves her job because she gets to help people. Of course, that's nice. That is nice. Likes to fly under the radar, just get the work done. Sure, of course. Finds herself increasingly exasperated by the disruptive antics of the various superheroes that proliferate in her city. Now, they have not mentioned what city this is going to take place in. Nor have they said anything about whether it's going to be tied to any other DC property. Likely, it's not going to be connected to the movies. Well, it's all a multiverse. So. It's a multiverse, yes. Where would this go? Where would this... I mean... Well, okay. It makes sense to put it in Metropolis. Well, Metropolis or um, was it Coast City? Coast City would yeah, be one. Um, um, Keystone City, maybe. I almost would want to put it in Coast City because we have, you know, we don't really have a Green Lantern, yeah, rooting anywhere, and so this could be this could be a a way to sort of, you know, edge it in there. Could be. Well, I mean, it'd be kind of fan, it'd be kind of fan service that would be that would be. 
um, harmless. I mean, you, you wouldn't be setting yourself up to cause real problems later if you put it there. You know what they could do? If they put it in Coast City, um, Carol Ferris could show up. Yeah. And this Emily Locke character could somehow accidentally get a hold of the Star Sapphire ring for an, for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's got to be fine with that. And she, she be causes okay. all this destruction that now she has to go back through and do the claims adjustment. <laughs> There's your, your punishment. Send, should, it, send but, a check, too. Yeah, your yeah. punishment should be to do it in the paperwork. Well, and the rest of the cast, um, Christina Kirk. Uh, from A to Z, which was the other show that was created by Ben Queen, which only lasted to, I think, K. It didn't right. last very long. Yeah. Um, I heard, you know, reading her online, people thought it was okay, it was an okay show. I think the timing of it, because there were other shows like it that were mm, already out. Sure, yeah. And it was one of these also-rans that everybody kind of missed. But Christina Kirk is going to play the assistant to the new boss. Mm-hmm. And Danny Pudi from Community and Captain America the Winter Soldier right. is going to also be in it. He'll play Emily's best friend, Teddy. I'm assuming Theodore. One would think. Spends a bulk of his time building pranks to make sure the insurance office is a little less unsuper. Less unsuper. I don't know. That that's from the that's from I'm, the description of the show. I'm just saying I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and the boss. I'm 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 of a mixed mind about this. The boss. Dell. Son of the owner, completely incompetent, no business running things, but he's the boss's son, Dell. Going to be played by Alan Tudyk. Well, first of all. Who's going to be here at Planet Comic Con? Yeah. Alan, everything is better with Alan Tudyk. No argument. Okay. Um, and there is a grand tradition of the incompetent boss. That's not what I have mixed emotions about. The announcement of Alan Tudyk on Powerless. Right. Means that it's very, very likely that we are not going to get Tudyk and Fillion in blue and gold. <laughs> Well, also and remember that disappoints me. Well, yeah, that well, this, this, by default that disappoints everyone because uh, that would have been perfect. Oh yeah, perfect. But, but we also don't know we we're going to get blue and gold. Well, that's true. Well, see if blue and gold, blue and gold is a really great idea, and blue and gold is a really interesting rumor that has never been anything more yeah than a rumor. You know what I uh, I think I should do? I it I should, should happen. I should contact our contacts at Sci-Fi. And say, hey, whatever happened to that Booster Gold series you guys were working on? Huh? Huh? We haven't seen anything about Krypton either. The last thing I heard, it's been a few months since I heard anything about Krypton. Honestly. I wonder if that's even moving forward at this point. You know, it was always, that was always the. the... Because Goyer's kind of fallen out of favor. Well, but it it was always. likes him now. It was always the. The superhero show that no one was clamoring for. I don't know that anybody's clamoring for Powerless. I'd either. rather watch Powerless than Krypton. 
and not oh, because yeah. not, well, yeah. not because I don't want I don't think the the story of Krypton is is really cool. There's been a couple of miniseries over in the the, the history of comics that has covered the mm-hmm. prehistory and and you know the adventures of Jor El and all this stuff. Um, but Kevin J. Anderson wrote a book called The Last Days of Krypton. Right. Yeah. Very good book. Mm-hmm. I rec- I highly recommend that one and. Enemies and Allies, which well, and, was the first meeting of Batman and Superman. Well, and James Batman. Robinson uh, in the Starman series had uh, – in the Stars My Destination arc, um, they went back in time and actually found one of the – the whole reason that, that Jor-El even knew where Earth was was oh. because he met um, uh, Jack Knight, uh, the 1990s Starman. Um, mm. And saved he saved Jack's life, and, Jack, and then Jack saved his life, and and of course, Jack's like I can't tell him anything, and I know, you know. Oh, so Jack, uh, he went back in time, right? Yeah. Ah. So it's a really neat arc, and and there's there's a there's a show. So that, it's a predestination paradox. Yeah, there's a show that we actually uh, uh, I would love to see done. Starman. I'd love, yeah, Star would be a great. Great well, show. not and and not the Starman reboot that we're getting, right? No, no the Starman is based on the the movie with Jeff Bridges, right? No, this would be the this would be the comic book series uh, James Robinson wrote, and it was um, for I, I, James James Robinson can be hit and miss with some titles, but when he's concentrating on the Silver Age and the the Golden Age and how they interact, mm-hmm. he writes amazing stuff, and his Starman series was one of the one of the better uh, DC comics for. Well, it was it was almost in that same time period where we were getting Sandman and Lucifer and and uh, Hellblazer and Starman, and it was all these you know these big arc stories that actually were were really right, well thought out. Right. Um, so yeah, that would be a, that'd be a really good one to do because you could almost do it each episode each week would be a comic, and you'd have like five a five year run for the show. Sure. Um, the only problem is, is that you'd almost have to do it. Almost have to do it on premium, just because it does get very dark at the end. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert for a, uh, 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 a comment that hasn't been published in about fifteen years <laughs> <clears throat> is old the legacy the the curse of the legacy hero uh, and the old enemy who is dying and is going to take out everyone else with them. Um, and it uh, it turns into a it, it's huge chunks of the last arc are, are very tragic, um, right. but also quite violent. Um, so, but I mean, you could do it, you could do it on network if you're willing to push push the envelope a little bit because you would have by that point you would have established the characters as being something that you cared about. So, anyway, no, I'd like that that give, dear DC. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, let's see where where do we go next? How about Mary Poppins. You know what? It's not a TV show. I know. But it's casting news. Mary Poppins 2. This is a sequel. Right. Not a reboot. Right. Mary Poppins. She has an, a new face. Mm-hmm. Emily Blunt. And I am playing. okay with this. Um, yeah, okay. I am, I'm, I'm a big Emily Blunt fan. I just wish we got the regeneration scene. Well. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's how they started. Who's to say we won't? Hmm, who knows? Uh, she's she's playing, Emily Blunt is playing Mary. Lin-Manuel Miranda is playing Jack, mm-hmm. a lamplighter. 
So we don't have a chimney sweep this time. We have a lamplighter. Now, I wasn't aware that there are eight books in the series. Now, there's nothing, there's nothing in the news that indicates that this is based on the second book. Right. Um, but the, the, the estate of P.L. Travers, who wrote the books, they're working with Disney on this. So they have the blessing of the family. Right. So I would assume that it's either going to incorporate stories in the books. It's going to incorporate elements of that. Um, I'm not familiar with the books, so yeah, not, I don't I know. Don't, I'm not, I'm this either. particular story is going to be basically the kids have grown up. Mm-hmm. Something bad happens, and Mary has to come back and help them. I'm fine with that. Sounds like this sounds like a potential fun story. Sure, I, I guess Jane and Michael dealing with a personal tragedy. I would assume the death of their father, maybe. Possibly, they've gone bankrupt. I don't know. Nothing. No details on the story yet. Right. But uh, but uh, for those of you who are not familiar, Mr. Miranda is the writer, composer, and star of the Broadway hit Hamilton. Oh, right, 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 right. Yes. That would be him. Oh, yeah. He is going to be in the new Mary Poppins movie. He is uh, um, fairly hot right now. Yes. Because uh, in case you haven't heard, you can't get tickets to Hamilton. It's I guess it's a lottery now. Mm. The the demand for it is so high that it's like okay, we're drawing your name out of a hat basically. So you get a ticket and you get a ticket <laughs> and you get a ticket. <laughs> Which is uh, um, you know you you don't get too many shows anymore that are having that kind of. Uh, a reaction, right? And which is fantastic. I mean, I came out of the theater in high school and college, so I love seeing a, a show, and it's been getting great reviews. I mean, people think it's actually a very, very good show. I saw something cross my email. Uh, was it yesterday or today? And I need to go back and look because I didn't. I didn't get a chance to read the article, but the headline was of the essence. Why movie stars aren't selling at Broadway? Because apparently, well, Forrest Whitaker just made his Broadway debut, and he, so really, he's yeah, never been on Broadway before. I, that's huh, my wow. impression. I could be wrong about that. I, I may have misread that, but the the headline was basically suggesting there's there is apparently not as good uh, a return on investment by incorporating movie stars on Broadway shows nowadays. I don't know. Well, I could see that. I mean, there's just no the theater going audience, aside from the folks who are coming in from out of town who are, you know, the tourist folks hitting the hitting the show, mm-hmm. you know. They're not going they're not really going for the the name. Um it, it's it's not star power isn't necessarily the guiding the guiding factor. So and, they're going for the show. Right. And yeah. and obviously there are there are stars of the theater. And there are folks that if they if they are playing a part, then you're like, well, we should go see them because they're amazing. You know, yeah. if Ian McKellen is playing such and such a character on Broadway, we that's, should go. that's a draw. But is it, Ian McKellen playing anything on Broadway? We should go. We should go. Um, I wasn't he and Patrick Stewart had a show, as if I remember right. But I don't think that's playing now. I don't think so. Anyway, um, so so while you have that kind of reaction, it is often mo- a lot of theater shows are ensemble pieces. 
Um, and, you know, you might go to see a show. Uh, Jeff Bridges, not Jeff Bridges, um, uh, oh, for heaven's sakes, from D- uh, Dumb and Dumber, uh, the newsroom. Um, yeah, it's Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. It is Jeff Bridges. Um, <laughs> he, uh, uh, he's, got a, he's got a Broadway show. And it's basically a two-person show. So, I mean, obviously for somebody like that, it'd be a reason right. to go see sure. it, right? Um, but, so, yeah, you don't have the same kind of thing where it's like, oh, this is a Robert Downey Jr. movie. I'm going to go see it because I like Robert Downey Jr. films. Right. You know, generally speaking, whether he's playing Tony Stark or Sherlock Holmes or some other character, you can have an expectation of Robert Downey Jr. will be playing. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this, the theater's different, so. Um, where are we going next? CW. Mm-hmm. CW has some new shows. They've got six, six pilots ordered. So which, more stuff that we don't have time to review because there's so much of it. <laughs> well, see, and there's a couple of there's a couple of them I think they're on the bubble, right? For us, yeah. anyway, uh, and we'll get to that here. Uh, uh, they're doing a new version of Frequency, right? Mm-hmm. Frequency that. based on Toby Emmerich's movie. Mm-hmm. Movie starred uh, Jim Caviezel. And Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. As a father and son, Caviezel played a homicide detective mm-hmm. who's working on a murder. And somehow, through the power of radio, movie magic, his ham radio, he makes contact with his father, who's been dead 30 years. Like you do. Makes contact on the day before his dad dies. And right. through this back and forth, they end up working the case together. Spoiler for a. 20-year-old movie. Well, it'll be a spoiler for the TV show now. Right. Uh, although the TV show is a little bit different. Sure. Peyton List, mm-hmm. we know her from The Flash. She plays Lisa Snart, Golden right. Glider. Right. Um, she's going, she's all, she was also part of the Tomorrow People. Yep. Mad Men. She's going to play Rami Sullivan. She's got the detective part, the Caviezel's mm-hmm. part. And... Um, Peyton Sullivan, the dad, is going to be played by Riley Smith. Mm-hmm. There's a 20-year gap instead of 30 because, you know, it's CW and everybody's young and pretty. Of course. So the dad's probably going to have to be young and pretty-ish. Right. Maybe young-ish. a little bit. May touch a gray right. at the temple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, written by Supernatural showrunner Jeremy Carver, who's handling the script. Mm-hmm. And that's all we know. And then I'm- there's... It's not actually, you know, I, I enjoyed the film, and I don't know how you would maintain it as a series. Unless Be- you do something like Murder One, where you take the entire take the one case throughout the whole se- season. Right, and even if then, it's though, it's going to be a limit, like, maybe a limited series run. If you twelve, thirteen episodes, yeah. then I think I think it could be done. But I think that if it's going to be a full order, then. I think you run into the potential of dragging. But you know, I mean, still, I, I mm-hmm. it's I I don't have a problem with them changing. Things like that. It, it doesn't sound at all. Uh, uh, I give you any reason to sit there and go, "What are they doing to this story?" You know. So right, it could be fun. Well, it essentially is basically the same story. Right, but I mean, you know, they're just changing genders. Right, and and while you know, and we can talk about this a little bit later. You know, it's, people get upset about these things. So yeah, the Ghostbusters trailer dropped today. I know. Sony wants to have it both ways, obviously. Well, of course they do. And but I'll tell you what: thirty I wa- years ago, four scientists saved New York. But we're ignoring all of that right. because this we're, is a reboot. That's right. Yes. And, and honestly, um, 
as a reboot, um, and it, it is the trailer. Who you know, you can't tell. You know. Right. There are many, many really bad films that looked really good in the trailer. Well, because all of the good stuff was in the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm watching this trailer today, and I'm going, and I'm grinning because it looks almost like the kind of reboot that I want, which is. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so, so, so we talked about this before. Re- reboots and remakes. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I still maintain that you remake the bad film. The film they didn't get right the first time. That's the one you don't remake the really good film. You sure. Know, stop remaking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or stop remaking, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, you, know, you, you, make, you remake the film that was like, uh, you know, this film didn't, didn't work. Um, which got a great idea, but let's 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 get it right this time. Um, so, <laughs> but a reboot, and f- for for good or for ill, because you don't like the new Star Trek movies. Um, but, I do not. But it's a generational thing, you know. And it's you know just, we do the same thing with Robin Hood and King Arthur, and Star Trek has moved to modern myth. So it's it's a well, yeah, and and you can argue. I know, I know, but you could argue that that they the, didn't recast Luke Skywalker. You can argue, though, that um, to some degree, the new Star Wars movie is got elements of a reboot because we have characters who are very similar. They're they're echo. You know, there's 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 thematic similarities between some of the characters in the new film and some of the characters from the original series. Yeah, but you've got that in the prequel trilogy too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, there wasn't a prequel trilogy. Ring Ring Theory. Yeah, yeah. Ring, no. ring Theory dictates that you have sure. similarities, but it's not. But it's you know, it is it is obviously more a sequel than anything else. Mm. Um, for something like this, okay, I'm sorry, Ghostbusters fans. There is one good Ghostbuster movie. It's the first one. The first one. The second one is an okay film. But it doesn't have anywhere near the energy or the fun or just the sheer everybody on fire, everything just clicking mm-hmm. of the first one, right? Right. So as much as we love the first Ghostbusters film, um, there is not this like grand, you know, series of pictures and there's there's the cartoon and there's all there's all these things though, but so it's it's got an emotional connection to us and, and it did have some really amazing comedic actors in it. I mean the, that first film just fired on all cylinders. Right? It did, yes. Um, it is a comedy classic. There is no this cannot be argued. Um, but uh, it's been how many years? Thirty, 30 years. years. Yeah. Right. So you can if you're going to reboot something, thirty years is a reasonable period amount of time to wait to reboot it. To do a new version of it, and to go ahead and get get four, you know, the first film was four, three three comedic actors, three three people who everyone recognizes comedic actors. I mean, right. uh, Ernie Hudson, I didn't have anywhere near the the, the name recognition in those days. Um, but you know, you look at this cast; it's a fantastic cast, very very funny actresses, and it looks as they're not they're not you know they don't have the same names it's the same idea it's a reboot where they're not sitting there going and this is the you know you know they they they're not they're not completely aping the original but they're they're echoing it and that's fine for a reboot mm. so i enjoyed it a lot i found myself smiling i am not the least bit worried it's either going to be funny or it isn't it doesn't it does not impact my enjoyment of the first ghostbusters film nothing ever will yeah it looks like it could be fun maybe and right, some yeah. and some although, of the lines in the trailer were very funny. Although some people have already started 
making noise about the token black character being the urban, you know, the the one who's familiar with the city. Why can't the black one be a scientist? You know, that, well, that's, you know what? Okay, that this, noise is, well, but is it, already out. But sure, but, and, and that you're always going to get that. You're always going to get yeah. that because because no people matter like to be offended. Well, uh, I think some people do like to be offended, but how dare you say that, sir? <laughs> How dare you react to my reaction in that way? Um, Let me put on my reaction pants. <laughs> the the well, and we could and and there's there's some other news out of casting uh, that kind of ties into this as well. Yeah. Um, but the in, in a situation like this, I, I put a lot of faith, and this is not always uh, placed well. But for something like this, uh, the actresses involved knew the kind of parts they were going to play. Uh, they knew what they were being asked to do. I don't think there's any question in. And anything that we've seen so far to indicate that n- that any of them had any in, you know concerns about playing the characters at the way they are playing them. Right. So I'm not worried about that. Um, it's not like say the news that uh, what uh, Ray Fiennes was. Uh, is it Ray Fiennes was playing Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. This is dumb. Everyone should be appalled by that. That's just <laughs> okay. Dumb. It doesn't matter if you if you're white or black. There's a, there's actually there's a there's a Michael Jackson song in there. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know we should all be sitting there going, no, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like you know it's that's, like that's dumb. It'd be like casting me as the basketball player Michael Jordan. Okay, <clears throat> for a number of reasons, <laughs> this would be a bad decision. Well, well, it would yeah casting you as the actor Michael Jordan too. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Also. Um, yeah. Although I, I, uh, you know, if, if you want to cast me in one of your films, I'll happily, Opposite? I'll Opposite? happily work with you. Um, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, okay, we do live in a <laughs> we live in a time when when people will get upset about this, and sometimes they're justified to get upset about that because if you're playing to a stereotype, mm. and uh, okay, so the, okay, uh, and it looks like she is, but but it also looks like. Um, every character that, in, in some ways, as the original was, there's a lot of stereotyping in the characters that's being mocked. It's self mockery. So you've got the, you know, you've got the. Okay, I can see that. And to some degree, we had that in the original one as well. And they're not only doing that with. It looks like they're playing with the 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 mocking the this image of the scientist, but they're also playing with the fact that you know you know women scientists. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're actually there's. I suspect. From what I've read about the actors and the writing and all this stuff, uh, as well as seeing it, I think we're going to get a lot of self-referential humor for some of the very things that people do get upset about. Well, possibly. That's that's just the vibe I'm getting from it. So, no. um, speaking of which, let's let's just let's just skip over to that the the casting of the Ghost in the Shell leads right characters so far has been under fire because Scarlett Johansson is not Japanese. This is true. As much as you know, as much talent as she's got in her pinky finger, she's not Japanese. This is true. Lead character in Ghost in the Shell is Japanese. Right. However, the new casting announcement for Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. uh, we got today, I believe. We're recording this on Thursday the 3rd. Takashi Kitano. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Takishi? Takishi? Takishi Katano. He is going to play the boss, Daisuke Aramaki, Mm -hmm. the chief of public security section 9 in the new movie. Yes. Japanese character. Mm -hmm. 
Japanese actor. Yes. Everybody should be happy. Well, one would one would hope because as much as I love Scarlett Johansson, I actually would like and in and, and we've talked about this before. Uh it's you know, don't cast Akira. Don't set Akira in New York. Mm, no. Don't cast, you know, you know, there's, look, there's Zach there's Efron. A, there's a there's there's a there's a very nice selection of white actors out there. None of them need to be playing Akira. Right. Okay. Um, and you know, and the reason you don't recast Akira or set it outside of set it outside of of New Tokyo is that it is it's a cultural thing. There's a reason Akira worked as a story. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's well, important. It's same same reason why Godzilla worked. Right, it, but and, it, and it's important. And if you pull out the context, yeah. some of these stories, you context really does matter. And so I think that it'd be it's very very hard to do an Akira Ghost in the Shell. I don't think it has the same quite the same uh, impact. I mean, it's it's it, it's certainly a famous series. There's no doubt about it. But I think Akira had a bigger reach, maybe. Uh, the footprint of Akira, the shadow of Akira. Cast mm-hmm. a little wider, but I completely understand why folks would be going. Um, did we uh, have we not seen Street Fighter? Have we not <laughs> seen? Um, you know, the, there's several films where where it was like, uh, what did, what are we what are we doing here? What what yeah. why? Because because Johansson is playing Motoko Kusanagi. Yeah, I mean, she looks like a Kusanagi, right? Maybe. I mean, granted, she's a cyborg, so they can do anything. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I think that especially, especially in this time, and and I, again, I love Scarlett Johansson. I, she's she's a really, really wonderful actress, and and I, I like watching her a lot of stuff. But I think especially in this time, when we are noticing, it is it is very clear to a lot of people that that a lot of a lot of Asian and Hispanic and and black actors, you know, there are parts out there if they just just let them play them. Mm-hmm. This would be an opportunity to let them play them, but and and I th- if we get the argument, which is becoming very very common, that you know, well, I have to have a big name star to play the part, or else I can't get the financing. Right. I'm kind of getting tired of that argument. Although, having been in the film industry like we have, oh no, I understand. I understand. I, mean, the, I understand the logic. Still, I mean, it's still there. I understand the logic, but it's also a because the you know the 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 inside baseball discussion of that is basically if I don't have a name, whether it's a cameo or an also starring or just pops in for a day or two, if I don't sure. have a name, I don't get money. If sure, I don't get I, money, I can't make the movie. But where, but, but where we've been hearing that a lot lately is is films like uh, Noah, where everybody is white. Oh yeah, and we hear that with. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Gods of Egypt, which tanked for apparently a lot of good reasons. Oh. Not only not only was it uh, amazingly miscast with actors who may have visited the Middle East at some point, <laughs> um, but also apparently had a story that didn't make any sense, which is kind of a problem. It doesn't matter how pretty your pictures are, folks. What? You have to have a story that oh, makes sense. There you go again. I know story, story, story. <laughs> Well, and, you know, so, but you hear, but both, um, both of the directors on that, and both of the, which are, are really great directors, came up with the same answer. Well, I have to have, mm-hmm. if I want to get the film made, I have to have, you know, stars. Right. Well, 
But then again, Star Wars was made with no stars. Peter Cushing, Alec Guinness. Um, yeah, but okay, those were those were stars in England. I mean, still. Think, well, yeah, but they weren't. But that was. Well, the, I mean, no. Peter Cushing had had already, you know. Oh, sure. He, he done the know, Hammer films. All the he Hammer did, stuff. He did the Hammers. He done Sherlock Holmes. But he was also an. Oh, he was an older star. He was a, for a different generation. Right, but he was no. But my yeah, point yeah, is, yeah, yeah, but but, but mm-hmm. the logic still holds up. You have to have names, right? And they got names. But you could have, yeah. But you, they, they weren't the kind of names that are going to, you know. Well, look at the budget of the first Star Wars. Did that really make a huge difference? <laughs> I mean, well, no. so so I mean, you can you can certainly, cast, but you're not going to know that going into it. Well, right. But they also expect everyone expected Star Wars to tank. Right. Nobody believed in that. But the only, but the only reason that that 20th Century Fox got behind it at all was because they had uh, Guinness. Sure. Who hated the movie? That's the rumor. Well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's the. Not necessarily that he hated it, but he he thought the he thought the dialogue was ridiculous. Right. I'm 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 gonna leave, I'm gonna leave myself an out on the Scarlett Johansson thing to look when we get more information about the rest of the cast. And start seeing something here because I mean, I think there are, there are plenty of of Japanese American. As far as I know, there's all white except for the boss now. Yeah, or more Asian American actors who could certainly play the part. No, um, unless well, okay. What if they do this? What if they've got Scarlett Johansson, basically because somebody sat there and said, "Well, she's not going to get a Black Widow movie. Let's let her be Black Widow in this," but they also do motion capture. Since she's a cyborg, and we don't see Scarlett Johansson through the movie, what if she's wearing a bunch of different faces through the movie? Well, um, that could be kind of cool. Although, as I recall, and it's been years since I've read any. I of mean, the she doesn't do that in the show, right? But, yeah, yeah. But yeah I'm just I know. It's just know. I don't. Know. Again, it just it, it's a it actually becomes a fairly complicated thing. Yeah. Because it's not just happening there; it's happening over in the casting of Iron Fist over on on Netflix. Yes, Game of Thrones actor Finn Jones. That's right. Has been cast as Danny Rand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones uh, plays Loras Tyrell mm-hmm. on uh, on Game of Thrones. Right. Uh, not much else, though. Really, we don't know a whole lot about him. Marvel's no. cast a bunch, of, a bunch of unknowns with some of this stuff, which but, is actually uh, kind of cool because it, it not only you don't have the baggage. I mean, okay, you're you're not always going to get uh, as perfect a casting as Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Yeah, because Robert Downey Jr. essentially is Tony Stark. He is. Um, and Chris Evans, remember when they cast him as Captain America? A bunch of us went, "Are you out of your mind?" Hell yeah! Because you would think of you know uh, t- uh, what? Not another teen movie. Well, Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm. I mean, it's like, whoa, this is this is terrible casting. Yeah. And it turned out to be genius casting. Yeah, he's, he's great. Um, who, who had heard of Tom Hiddleston before he played Loki? Tom Hiddleston. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually had an acting career before that, by the way. And he has got, you know, he's got an, um, um, what the, what the apartment building one is, a tower? Mm, um, high Rise. Yes, high Rise. High yeah, rise. High Rise coming out, which is... Uh, uh, looks crazy, like you do. Like you do, uh, but no. So, so I have. I think this is great. They're actually casting actors who we don't necessarily. Hear. Now there is some controversy about his casting. Yes, um, because be- the the usual suspects getting offended. Well, but it's an interesting thing here because we've had we've had people point out that Marvel had an opportunity here 
to okay so for for the folks of you who don't know um uh iron fist is the often partner of luke cage who appeared in the jessica jones series and in the comics these guys are our best friends and, and partners and iron fist is a martial artist he's a young man named danny rand who discovers that he has a connection to an uh, interdimensional city that is not actually full of Chinese martial artists, but <laughs> they look and talk and act like Chinese martial artists. This is a, a comic series that came out of the 70s, um, and it, at the time, this is, also, you know, you, this is, this is kind of the height of, of Bruce Lee and uh, oh, yeah. martial arts culture really exploding into the American consciousness. And so Marvel came up with a character where you had this, you know, martial artist who happened to be a white guy. Okay, and this is actually fairly common. You you did not find that many characters of color in comic books at the time. They just weren't that many. And so it was not terribly unsurprising that you had this character be white. Flash forward to 2016 when we have things like the Oscar ceremony uh, and the blowback on, you know, the Oscars so white thing. And interestingly enough, of course, um, for those of you who either ignored the Oscars or haven't been following this short version, uh, lots of black actors gave really good performances this year. And most of them, you know, they're all ignored in terms of, in terms of the awards. These are things, you know, sparked conversation. Hopefully good things will come out of it. More opportunities for everybody. Yay. During the broadcast, uh, Chris Rock brought out, made a joke about uh, the accountants. Oh, and brought out yes. three Asian American kids. Yes, thus playing to another stereotype, um, and a lot of Asian American actors sat there and went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on." The only way, the only way he could have done worse with that is if he had brought out Jewish kids. Yes. And and made that joke right and and in all in all that it was a a poor joke, I mean it was it was a dumb joke. It was a dumb joke. It was a bad joke, and it was a, it was a tasteless joke. Yes. However, um, Chris Rock is also a comedian, not a social commentator, and he's in Hollywood. They're all social commentators. Well, but he's a comedian, and the comedian's job, to some degree, is to offend you. Good comedy often will make you uncomfortable. So that said. Um, the announcement that they we had cast, uh, Danny Rand, made a lot of people sit there and go, oh, look, another white actor. To which some people sat there and went, well, wait, he's white in the comics. To which other people sat there and said, aha, but does he have to be white? And some people sat there and went, um, well, no, not so much. Because really the only race he doesn't have to be, he can't really be, is be black because you lose the racial dynamic because that's part of the characters. That's right. part of the characters. You have to have... Because Luke Cage is black. Right. And you want... You there have, is You have to have the contrast. You want... Because, yeah, well, there's a social contrast, there's an economic contrast, and there's a racial contrast. Mm -hmm. And that's actually part of the way that the arc of their friendship comes to be and how it becomes as strong as it is because they work through those things. You don't think... Oh, I hope they don't do this. You don't think that they're going to do a whole white privilege sub-arc, do you? Well, okay, so Danny Rand in the comics is... He's wealthy. ...is a white privileged character. 
There's just no way around that fact. I mean, he is. And the difference. Yeah, but in the seventies, you don't have you don't have the the political dynamic that you've got now. Well, but you kind of it's, it's everybody. It, well, yeah, but you know, but you, you and I have talked about this before. We have, we have some weird echoes with you know the the civil rights issues. Some of this you know some of this stuff is popping up again. You know, it's mm. it's the the form might be a little different, but the underlying stuff is still there. So some of the same themes you could play with in the seventies, you could still play with now. How they handle it, I don't know. I mean, it's just too early to tell. Yeah. But um, there's been quite a bit of blowback on him making him white, saying Marvel had an opportunity here. And yes, Marvel did have an opportunity there to cast. They could have made him. They could have made him Asian, Asian American. To which some people will respond, "Well, then you're playing into the stereotype of Asian Americans being martial artists." Right. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how they play with his, how they give the origins of his powers. Because his origin of his powers in the comic is extra dimensional. They they are not actually uh Chinese. The char- right. the, the, the the race that he encounters is not but they but they look like them. They they mm-hmm. sound like them. That's that and that was the point of the comic. I mean it was a different time. Right. It's a kung fu comic. It's a kung fu comic. And you have to you know, we talk about this again, context. You have to understand the time, and it was written, and, and, and what was going on in American culture at the time, in American entertainment at the time, yeah. and recognize that this is stuff that, that, I'm sure there were people who were offended by this then, but we have the internet now, and we can all, and, and we have, we all know where the- We can all be offended together. Well, but we have, a, we have an audience now. If somebody, if, yeah. if, if you if someone does something, if someone does something incredibly racist, um, and I'm not saying this is, let me know Hold on. <laughs> Make sure that I want to be that very clear. But if somebody does something incredibly racist, um, and you want to call them out on it, you have a bigger That's bullhorn. True. Yeah, and, That's the, and, true. The, and there's a lot. There's a lot of positives to that. So huh, you can have. I, I, there's no way to win this one for right. Marvel or, or or for Marvel or the audience. So the only thing we can hope for, um, let me you know, win in quotes. There, mm-hmm. the only thing we can hope for. Is that he plays the part really, really well, and they write the part really, really well, and they get this great dynamic between him and Luke Cage. Well, so far, they haven't missed on a whole lot. They have a really good track record yeah. so far, and so I'd hate to see this be the one where they, they, they drop it on, and i got no reason to think that they will. Yeah. But for the folks who are upset that they did not cast an Asian-American actor or a um, Hispanic uh, actor, or, you know, you yes, you are correct. Marvel could have done this, and it would not have hurt the character, mm. because the the the, di- the racial dynamic, which is important to the characters, would still be there. Um, but if casting casting Danny Rand as a white guy is not only true to the character, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're passing over uh, a, uh, a equally qualified. Um, non-white actor to play the Because he, he could be coming back and using some of his wealth to help rebuild Hell's Kitchen after... after There's a lot uh, of things they could do here. Burning. Hopefully they will not. Uh, they will they will stay away from anything that indicates the white savior idea, which I think a lot of people are, are potentially upset about with this. Right. Because he shouldn't be. Um, and quite frankly, uh, I don't see Marvel being... For all that Marvel has had some trip up with, with female characters in the films, not on TV. Mm, right. On Netflix they've been doing great. Um... I can't imagine they would trip up that badly, right? With the with the writing we've got from these guys so far, so we'll have to see. Yeah, we have gone forty five minutes without a break. We should uh, talk about our great sponsors. Yes, superhero stuff.com. 
where you can find uh, new Batman vs. Superman merchandise and uh, Avengers. Civil mm -hmm. War, uh, Cap uh, Captain America Civil War, they just, I think they just announced today uh, a Black Panther ball cap that they just got in. Um, but they're I doing, have not uh, seen that. That seems a little yeah, odd to it's, me. It's got, it's got <laughs> black, it's a Black Panther design on the, on cool. the brim. Uh, it's black, of course. You know, it's got the, you know, stuff. Um, and they're running the Batman versus Superman Hero Box specials this month go, going into yeah, the, right. going into the movie. So yeah, so that'll be uh, that'll be. Oh wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Batman versus Superman start opens March twenty third. Yeah, it's like two and a half weeks away. That's our seventh anniversary. I just realized. Wow. Hmm. Maybe we should go to the movies. I don't know. <laughs> go see Zootopia, maybe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hear good things about Zootopia. And on that note, <laughs> yes, we will take a break. Let's hear from Superhero Stuff and Atomic Cotton. Uh, I, I neglect to mention them. We do run their spots. Um, we uh, we get our T-shirts from them, but they can do some really cool stuff. They just got a new machine, a new faster automated thing. So he's going to be able to just, just crank out oh, cool. shirts left and right. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break, refill coffee mugs, and come back and talk more casting news. Uh, on this edition of H2O, stand by. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com! From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com! Where heroes shop. Now I have to second guess a lot of life choices that I've made. From the Fortress of Solitude. Machine gun fire. I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong. Uh, bad guy. It's kind of won me over and I'm not 100% sure how. Got me in the holiday spirit, man. <laughs> no. All of you are dirty, filthy aliens. Get off my planet. The Rogues Gallery on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. I gave it 15 minutes and I, that was too much. Where all of us have secret identities. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. This is meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention, be sure to check the weather. We have the latest forecast on the conventions page every week at SciFiForMe.com. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hi there. The email address, H2O at SciFiForMe.com. For your comments, you can also leave notes on all the social media and on our main website. Um, other casting news. There's so much of it. So much of it. Over on the CW. You're back over there on the CW for a second. 
Um, Transylvania. Transylvania has a lead actress. Laura Brent will star in this new show. Written and produced by Hugh Sturbikop. Mm-hmm. Directed by Jason Ensler, Transylvania takes Laura Brent's character, Victoria, on a search for her missing father in 1880. She's traveling from New York City. New York City? <laughs> to Transylvania, where she meets a wrongfully disgraced detective from Scotland Yard. Like you do. And they team up to investigate and discover the origins of the most famous monsters, plural, history has ever known. So it's the X-Files? I'm going to say it's probably going to be more like Van Helsing. Yeah. Probably. She was in Chronicles of Narnia, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Wait a minute. Aren't we getting a Van Helsing TV show too? We are. I know. Yes. (laughs) A female Van Helsing. That was a rhetorical question. Yes. Um, but, I, you know, we don't have anything on that one. Um, not no, yet. not really. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to look into that. Um, also on the CW, the untitled Kevin Williamson Paranormal Project. Right. Which still doesn't have a title. Hence the, the untitled. word untitled. Yeah. Um, Gossip Girl alumnus Jessica Jor. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably not. It's hmm. S-Z-O-H-R. Zor? Zor? I don't know. I don't know. She's pretty, like you do on the CW. Wait, wait are um, you saying that the CW has a tendency to cast attractive people and play their parts? You know, I tell you. That's um, crazy talk. She's also going to show up in, in the Twin Peaks revival. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Longmire's Bailey Chase. Mm, sure. He played the deputy. Yeah. Uh, the deputy what got shot in the face by uh, his dad. A lot, shotgun. People, a lot of people miss Longmire. Yeah. Well, it's coming back. Oh, that's right it is. Yeah, it's renewed for season five yeah, that's on right. Netflix. Allie Walker is on that show. Right, yeah. She's also on Colony. Right. Which you recap. I do. And uh, our intern, Catherine Sanders, sat in on an interview with Allie Walker today. See how I did that? That was very nice, yes. I really wanted to be in on that interview. Uh, I know. I know. I know. We'll have to see how that how that turns out. We'll get all that all that written up here shortly. Um, and Colony, uh, the final episodes tonight, of the season right? Season finales tonight. Oh wow! Thursday. It... No? Yeah. No? We'll have to catch up on that. For some reason, I thought we had one more episode after this. But so this story is about Jasmine Lacroix. Granddaughter of a voodoo priestess. And she's basically taken her voodoo hoodoo background mm-hmm. and is made a tourist trap in Baton Rouge. And then some weird paranormal phenomena start happening. And she's like, hey, wait a minute. What's going on here? Uh, Bailey Chase plays a parapsychologist named Clark Patterson. Mm-hmm. His career has been reduced to performing at ghost conventions. Because mm-hmm. apparently nobody believes him. Nobody takes him seriously. So he's working the circus. Circus circuit. Um, so they're, t- they're going to team up. So that's kind of another one of those. You know, does, that, does that have an X-Files vibe to it? The skeptic and the believer? Well, to a certain degree, uh, 
the opposite to track thing always works. I mean, yeah. it's the it's the odd couple philosophy of casting a show. Um, you know, Moonlighting did it a long time ago too. So that doesn't necessarily bothers me. The voodoo angle is interesting. You don't get a whole lot of of uh, uh, voodoo. Yeah, stuff playing on TV too much, which is kind of cool. I mean, you got a little bit in Constantine, a little bit, um, but that's not something. Probably the last time we've seen any voodoo or anything was in the uh, Princess, the Frog, the Frog Princess, Princess and the Frog. What was it? The Frog and the Princess. What was that Disney animated thing? The the Frog Princess? No, the the Princess and the Frog. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and I think that you. Wow, they're just, they're just, they're, it's, there's not a lot. Yeah, and that's unfortunate because, of course, there are a lot of people who actually still practice voodoo. I mean, it is a, it is a, an actual existent religion with an existent, uh, well, with also a really an interesting pantheon of, of. By the way, I need a little piece of your hair before you leave. No. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. It's, it's, got an, it's got an interesting pantheon of, of deities and, and demons and, and, and supernatural entities involved with it. That, yeah, that a lot got some of storytelling stuff there. Yeah, a lot of potential there to mine from. Um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who created The Last Man on Earth, which technically probably fits genre, but we haven't been covering it. I think, I think that... They have a new show. Yeah. It's called Making History. Adam Polly is going to play Dan. He's a computer science professor, finds a way to travel through time. The story is a, it's a single, com, a single camera comedy. Mm-hmm. Single camera comedy. Yes, I know how to say that. Uh, it's about a trio of unlikely time travelers who find themselves irreversibly complicating their present lives by interacting with their pasts. So, butterfly effect as a comedy. Yeah, yeah, which is if, good because the butterfly effect was a really depressing movie. <laughs> if you're gonna go back and change something, would you? I I think that question is going to be at the core of this of this show. Oh yeah, well, and I think that if you if if you because there's it, plenty of places I could go back in my past and say no, don't do that. From a comedic standpoint, I think you know you, you, there are a lot of fun places you could mine with this, but there's also the potential for having it veer into less than funny places. I think that yeah. it... Yeah, of course. I, it well, and the comedy could set up the pathos. Yeah, exactly. The regret. Well, you know, comedy and regret go to hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Time travel. Yeah. Another story. Mm-hmm. Over on Hulu. Yes. This is an original... An original, original story on Hulu. Future Man. Right. Starring Josh Hutcherson, he mm-hmm. of The Hunger Games. Right. Pita. Yes. According to Hollywood reporter Eliza Coop will star opposite hmm. Josh Hutcherson. Seth Rogen's company producing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is about Josh Futterman. He is a janitor by day. And also happens to be a world-ranked gamer. Video games. Right. This, this will be important later. <laughs> Put a pin in that. Okay. His performance with video games earns him the attention of mysterious visitors from the future. You don't say. And they come back and they think he's the key 
the video gamer, mm -hmm. is the key mm. to stopping an invasion. I had what an original story that I have never heard <laughs> I, of before. I know, really, right? How unique is that? I mean, I I am so surprised that nobody's thought of that before. Having video games as a as a way of recruiting. Oh wait! You know what this means, though. <laughs> this means this is this is even less of a chance we're getting a a uh, last Starfighter reboot. Well, the TV show is in development. Yeah, I know. It's I'm, still I'm... in development. I'm holding out hope. Well, okay. If... Well, it's 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 a cautious hope because right. anytime you change the medium, uh, you change you, it. It has its impact on the story. Well, so, not only that, but not only that, but but the time frame is different in a, in a way that that is significant. Yeah. Because back in the day of of the last Starfighter, when that film came out, arcade games meant literally you went to an arcade. It was a building, usually inside of a mall. It was a you know a fairly large room where the walls were lined with video games, um, and in this particular case, the last Starfighter was a standalone game in the uh, trailer park. Trailer park. But Which, it was a it, it was a different thing than now. I mean, that it was very much a you went to a place and you put quarters in a machine and you played. I got a pocket full of quarters. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. No, nope. never mind. No. Nope. But you would. But it was so the dynamic is different than than being at home and and playing a video game with yourself or even right. being connected with your friends playing you know uh, online together. It's a different. It's a completely different vibe for the video game world. Although so, arcades are coming back. Well, they, they got are. A, they got a little bit of a nostalgia factor playing into it now. True, so but, but the, the places. I mean, they're not huge gargantuan places no, but, like they used but, to be. But, but the nostalgia factor is playing in in much the same way that we see this happening with executives in Hollywood, reviving things from their childhood. That that they're those things are targeting us. They're targeting our age. So, I want to be young again. Yeah, targeting the thirties and forty year olds. But it also, but it also, it's it's a recognition that the thirties and forty year olds, um, still like to play games. Maybe we're we're we may not be the Nintendo. You know, Xbox gamers, although certainly some of us are, um, but we still, you know, we were the we were the generation where video games came to be. Yeah. We have that font. We so so anything that you do with the last Starfighter for updating it, you're going to have to factor in the fact that the video game culture is different. And there's ways to do it. And I think that I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that you've you know it's going to be a problem. I mean, if you've got a smart set of writers and you can make it happen, but it's going to be yeah. different. It will be different no matter what it is. That's true. Maybe. Well, it would be very, very strange if they said it in the 80s. <laughs> Here's another one. Yeah. Matt Lanter. Yes. Who is known in genre circles. It's funny because the story, the original story, talked about, oh, he's known for all of this other stuff. And, and you know, like soaps and, and dramas. And all this no, he's Anakin Skywalker. Come on, guys. <laughs> Pay attention. The voice of Anakin Skywalker, Matt yes. Lander, who is also an actual actor, on-screen actor. Sure. Uh, he is going to play opposite Abigail Spencer. We know her from Mad Men. Right. They're playing two of the three. We haven't got the third one cast yet. Three time travelers. This is a movie called, uh, a TV show called Time. Mm -hmm. It's from Eric Kripke from Supernatural. Right. And Sean Ryan, who was a showrunner on The Shield. 
Right. Yeah. So, you know, it, okay, so far. Yeah. 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 Three time travelers tasked to stop a criminal mastermind bent on altering human history. I have never heard of this story before. According to Deadline, it's described as Back to the Future meets Mission Impossible. Okay, that actually could be, that sounds like it could be fun. Wasn't that Time I, Cop? Well, no, that sounds, I mean, if you want to do, if you want to give me a time-traveling spy thriller, that could be cool. It would be almost legendary. Well, yes, but I mean, it is that's almost that's almost word for word how you could describe Legends of Tomorrow. Sure, which it is will, already on the air. Right, but it so much of that depends on tone. I mean, right now, and we we've seen this happen before. Where you have multiple movies or television shows all in development at the same time. They're not. They're either they really either are copying each other or they have all managed to sit there and gone, hey. Let's do a Christopher Columbus movie, or let's do a movie about reality not really being what it appears to be, <laughs> or all the different things. Well, there were, you know, there were four that came out: Matrix, Dark City, Thirteenth mm-hmm. Floor, and you know, the Thirteenth Floor was actually not bad. It's not bad, but of the three, it's the le- the least of the three of them. And there was a fourth one too, and I can't remember what it was. Um, that tells you which how far down the totem pole it was. Yeah. Um, but these folks, you know, these folks were. The, especially things like Dark City and, and The Matrix, these were films that were in pre-production for a long time and in post-production for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark well, City came out first, by the way. Yeah. Um, and so this is cool, all... Was it Cool World? When did Cool World come out? I don't out? think Cool World was, cool was earlier. Okay. But... Um, that was a wild movie. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a disappointing one, too. The potential... That, that, was, a, that, was, a, that yeah. was a film... That's a film that needs to be remade because the potential was squandered. Um, and Gabriel Byrne is still an amazing actor, so they should bring him back and he can play the part again. Well, and Kim Basinger still. Yeah, there we go. We'll bring them both back and give me a, give us a proper cool world. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, you know, this stuff happens. Um, time travel is hot. I mean, I, I, honestly, I think all of that spins out of Doctor Who. You think? Probably right now it spins out of the footprint that Doctor Who has on the entertainment. Yeah. For all the, for all the folks who, who worry about the Doctor Who's numbers, it's, it's not hurting. The BBC is not hurting financially because of Doctor Who. Um, it is a bit of a cash cow, as they say. Uh, and with, you know, they're, it's popular enough that I could easily see them doing some, well, for crying out loud, Legends of Tomorrow is Doctor Who, kind of. I mean, Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it's Doctor Who with superheroes. And, and the most recent episode, lots of Easter eggs. Oh, sure. For both Star Wars and Star Trek, I mean, loaded. Oh, you mean tonight's, epi- tonight's episode, yeah. which I haven't watched yet. Loaded. Yeah. Um, there's one in particular. Oh, yeah. well, we'll we'll talk about it on Rogues Gallery okay. on, on Sunday. But um, there's one in particular I thought was just brilliantly executed, and nobody on Twitter was talking about it. Really? Like, really? You guys missed that one. <laughs> that was that was perfect. And why isn't anybody talking about this one? It was fun. I mean, there was there were the obvious ones, right? And then there was this one that just that was just dropped in there. It was a line that Gideon said, mm-hmm. which of course it was you know considering considering the original source material that was that was a perfect fit, right? And I thought. Why is nobody? What's going on with you guys here on Twitter? 
but yeah, we'll talk about that on the Rogues Gallery. Okay. Which is another podcast that you can hear here on Sci-Fi From Your Radio. That's right. On iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast player of choice. Let me use my Randy Radio voice. That's what we used to call it in college. Randy Radio? Randy Radio. Yeah. Randy Radio was that, um, you know, Shadow Stevens. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, or, or Rick Dees. Uh, hey, and, everybody, it's time the, to, let's do, uh, you know. And the kids at home, turn yeah. to the old person next to you and ask who the Rick heck Rick Dees. <laughs> okay, once upon a time, radio was this, this big. This dedication comes from Casey the West Coast. Casey, yes. or as we like to say, Robin the Boy Wonder. Um, or, or Shaggy. Shaggy. Yeah. Zoinks! Um, we swear to God, kids. Uh, at once upon a time, radio was a it was a gigantic thing. Mm-hmm. Now it's now it's something that you listen to, and it's, but you did the impact. It was was so much bigger in the seventies and eighties for radio. Yeah, um, and certainly remember, remember Wolfman Jack on Battlestar Galactica. Uh, you remember Wolfman, Wolfman Jack, Jack on everything? everything? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Wolfman Jack doing an episode of the Hardy Boys. Uh, yeah, well, it was Wolfman Jack. Yeah, you talk well, well, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You get a name. Oh yeah, you get a name. Let's get Wolfman Jack. Yeah, he uh, was such a fun character. See, there's there's a show there's a show that hasn't had a reboot in a while, The Hardy Boys. Uh, well, we're getting a new Nancy Drew. I know, but brand new Nancy Drew. I know, but Hardy Boys Hardy, Hardy Boys shouldn't be too far behind. And if done properly, Hardy Boys is another one that you could reboot every generation and 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 uh, well, and if they update, and, yeah, well, I suppose. Well, you know, the books do. They update the books every generation anyway. Yeah, but they don't change the stories in the books. Well, okay, yes, they do because you still have the original they do new stories, right? Yeah, right, new stories. But the new stories, you get that you get that time jump in the new stories where these basically it's like suddenly it's like oh. They've got an iPad. They didn't have an iPad in the first book. It's, yeah. You know, so yeah. It, it, potentially they're timeless. So we're so so we're past the time travel stories. We are. Let's circle back to the video game stories. Okay. Ready Player One. Yes. Not a TV show, but it's a right. movie that's been percolating for a long time. Really? God, how many years has it been? Has that? Been? Well, they've been. They've been. Uh, the book. The book came out in 2011. Right. We caught up with Ernie Klein and interviewed him at. I believe a Dallas Comic Con or a Fan Days down. It was down in Texas, mm-hmm. and you can find that over on our YouTube channel. See, there you go. You can keep and um, uh, Ready Player One, uh, Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. is is working on this one. Finally, they opened the casting to the internet. They basically said, "We're going to set up a see? website. We're going to set up a website, and you videotape yourself and audition." Oh. I mean, they they cast a really wide net for the lead on this. Ty Sheridan is finally who they picked. Uh, the story is about a teenager who finds himself competing in a virtual treasure hunt, facing ruthless foes in a race for a fortune left behind by the game's creators. The game the game creator dies. People get stuck inside the game. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins. Gets all the monies. I guess that's the thing. Um, Zach Penn did the screenplay based on the book. And Ernie Ernie Klein is... I wouldn't say he's our age yet. Uh, he's he's n- not quite as old as we are. But uh, my understanding... I haven't read the book yet. It's on, it's on the list. But uh, my understanding is there are so many pop culture references in this book 
the licensing on this thing is just going to be a headache and a half. Um, but it's also stuff that people our age would recognize that maybe people younger are not going to get the cultural references. Right. You know, kind of like with Last Starfighter, you know, that whole arcade thing, Tron and The Last Starfighter and, and you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the, 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 the movie with Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. you know, the D&D movie with Tom Hanks, uh, yeah. all of these, all of these cultural references that are in these, that are in these movies, the younger people aren't going to uh, understand. They're not going to get those. They're going to go, what? Why is this such a big deal? Um, but yeah, Ready Player One now has the lead, um, and he's this this kid is also playing the new. He's the new Scott Summers in right. X Men Apocalypse. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's the young the younger version of Cyclops. Um, Deadline is reporting Sci Fi's new show Prototype uh, has their lead Jack Davenport is going to star. Uh, most people probably will recognize him as Lord Norrington from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. The Navy guy that uh, was supposed to marry Elizabeth Swan. Right. Yes. He's going to be the lead. Plays a character named Edward Conway. Aging playboy and Silicon Valley wunderkind. Now teaches physics at UCLA. He's involved uh, through his through his history. Apparently, he's gotten involved with some questionable types, I guess. And um, they stumble onto inven- uh, they stumble onto an invention that challenges the very nature of quantum physics, and, like you do, and puts them in grave danger, like you do. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, I mean, no one that's, ever stumbles across. No, no one ever stumbles across something that puts, you know, changes the the concepts of physics, and everything works out great. Right. It's like, oh, right. And now we've saved everything. Yay. But if you're going to do something <laughs> that challenges the nature of quantum physics, quantum physics, sure. of course, is the thing that you know in science fiction. It's all you know. That's the multiverse stuff. That's Wait a minute. Alternate universes and parallel universes and alternate history and. You mean they're trapped in the Newtonian universe? (laughs) (laughs) That's That's a science joke. I made a science funny. (laughs) It doesn't happen very often because science is (laughs) non-reactive. Anyway. All right. So there's prototype. Uh, back to CW. Right. Because this is one this is one that I'm not sure about yet. It's a CW show based on a comic book that just got a reboot, basically. Mm-hmm. Archie Comics is the publisher. Right. The show is called Riverdale. And it is an updated Archie for modern times. Sure, which, modern which, which they've been doing in the comic books as well. Been, yes, and yes, yeah, they've they've updated uh, Archie is brand new in the comics now. 
And it's doing extremely well. I mean, in terms yeah, of... I'm the, hearing good stuff about it. It's The writing is, is being very highly praised. Most of the cast is in place. Mm-hmm. I saw they cast Archie. They himself. cast Archie. K.J. Apa. Apa? Apa. A-P-A is how it's yeah. spelled. He's, he's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't... I, I, you know, there are, there are some names on all of this stuff that we're, we're not going to get right. Right. I'm hoping that we... Don't mangle them too badly. Hit more than we miss. Yeah. But uh, he's going to play Archie Andrews, a conflicted high school sophomore who finds himself juggling the affections of several girls after spending the summer working at his father's construction business. Now, okay, Archie's always had Betty and Veronica. Sure. And, you know, he's kind of got a thing for both of them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't know who he w- really wants to be with. Sure. I get it. Okay, fine. But this whole several... Girls? Well, several several is more than one. <laughs> and apparently this Archie plays football. Yeah, okay. And is a musician. Yeah, okay. Well, now Archie has always been a musician. Right. But in this particular one, now dad and the coach want Archie to concentrate on football. Okay. And dad's played by Luke Perry. Right. Who looks exactly like... Archie's dad in the comics, right? <laughs> oh, wait, no. He's the CW version of, of Archie's dad in the comics. All right. But, yeah, coach and dad wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. He'd rather write and perform music. Sure. Sure. Okay. Now. The jo- well, it's, it's, it's the jock versus the... Oh, sure. The yeah. Musician, yep. sure. Lily Reinhardt playing Betty Cooper. Mm-hmm. Madeline Petch will play Cheryl Blossom. The redhead. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The redhead bombshell. She's the Mary Jane Watson of the whole group, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that. You know, face it, tiger type. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley Murray will play Josie. Of, of the, the Pussycats. Pussy yes, yeah. yes. And we are probably going to get Josie and the Pussycats. Sure. Um, Betty is the wholesome one, like she always is. You know, mm-hmm. that's Betty. Uh, studious, eager to please, a crush on Archie. Tired of being the perfect daughter student. Of course. Turns to her new friend, Veronica, for, for, for advice. Um, Veron- Hilarity ensues. Yes. Veronica is going to be played by Camilla Mendez. That name is familiar. She's brand new. Okay. Maybe she is not, something else she's not done anything. I mean, you look oh. at her IMDb, she's got maybe a couple of shorts on. I mean, okay. just nothing in, in her background yet. All right. Um, so she's brand new. She's going to be playing Veronica Large. Uh, right. v- Veronica Lodge. Silver-tongued high school sophomore who returns to Riverdale from New York, eager to reinvent herself after a scandal involving her father. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Now, we don't have Reggie yet. We don't have um, Kevin Keller. Right. We don't have those two ca- cast yet. We don't have the rest of the Pussycats cast. We don't have Veronica's dad yet. We don't know anything about that. Jughead. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Jughead for a minute. Cole Sprouse is going to play Jughead. He of the sweet life of Zack and Cody, Cole Sprouse. The twin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The twin yeah, troublemakers yeah. Right. in the hotel. 
Uh-huh. Cole Sprouse can't act his way out of a paper bag. I'm sorry. Neither one of them are very good actors. Now, granted, I haven't seen them in anything since my son outgrew most of the Disney shows. Right. Goodness. But this is such a weird casting. Because Jughead's always been the lackadaisical one. Mm-hmm. In this particular story, he is not. He's a heartthrob, and he and Archie have had a falling out. Okay. Former best friend. Mm. So there's that drama. Dynamic. Yes. Um, so there's that. Right. Now I expect we'll probably get a battle of the bands between Josie and the Pussycats and the Archies. One would hope. Maybe we'll get the, an updated version of uh, Sugar. Is that what it is? From the Archies? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay. Um, now, here's the question. Because this is based on a comic book, so it does kind of fall into yeah, our yeah, milieu. Well, sure. And and a lot of our generation, the, yeah. a lot of the folks who, who are from are, are, know this stuff as well as we do. Yes. So. However, we concentrate on genre. We do. Science fiction and fantasy. Which, which Archie has crossed over into with Afterlife with Archie. Yes. This is not Afterlife with no, Archie. No, no. This is the, which, which I cannot wait for. I cannot wait for the Halloween episodes, which will be <laughs> Afterlife for Archie. Well, you know, because, uh, um, yeah. Well, aren't we getting a new, aren't we getting a new Sabrina? Sabrina, didn't they reboot Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Is in the it, comic? In the comic? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they did. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Also, also. An uh, Archie comic title, isn't it? Right, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's so, also... could, so she could show up in Riverdale. Oh, sure. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. And, of course, um, what's her name? Who played her on Melissa, the TV? Melissa, Melissa John, John Hart, Hart will yeah. play Sabrina's mom now. Of course. <laughs> because it's Greg Berlanti making Riverdale. Right. And he does that stuff. And he does that stuff. Greg Berlanti, of course, for those of you who, who recognize the name, it's because he's doing all the superhero shows. <laughs> <laughs> all the ones um, worth watching. Well, well with the exception of, with the exception of the Marvel stuff. Well, I mean, well, all the DC stuff. Right, he's doing all the DC. Ab- all absent Gotham, he's got Supergirl, right? Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Vixen. Right, that's a lot. Yeah, and so far hasn't missed a whole lot. No, I mean it's, it's, Arrow's it's still kind of uneven, dodgy, uneven but, at places, but but overall. Now the description of this show. Riverdale adapts the Archie Comics characters in a way that's being described as subversive. Exploring the darkness and weirdness bubbling beneath Riverdale's wholesome facade. I can't actually speak. You know, I can't. I do know English. (laughs) English is my words. You're just hearing gibberish because that's what you hear. Uh Uh-huh, sure. I'm speaking English. Modern day interpretation. So that to me says Riverdale is the modern network TV equivalent of Sunnydale. You know what? It does. Yes, it does. It sounds like there's going to have some kind of supernatural paranormal thing is what it feels like. Well, which there's means... nothing that says that we're going to get that, but it, that would lend itself to Sabrina the Teenage Witch showing up. 
this actually could be a lot of fun, depending on depending on how they play it. Um, I don't know. This this actually sounds like it could be it could be fun because then you could actually have the. Wouldn't that be the twist? Halfway through the first season, Archie dies. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the mid season finale, <laughs> and then he comes back, and the back half is Afterlife with Archie. Exactly. Uh, and then Sabrina does whatever, and he's back at the end of the season. Sure, right, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. Make this happen. <laughs> uh, he went to Tahiti. <laughs> it's a magical place. Well, he was the other end to a, a, a roving <laughs> band of zombie hunters. Oh, I don't know. Is it, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this one because I don't know. I mean, it, it, just, from, just from that brief description, I'm going to guess that it's going to fall into genre just because. I had a guess. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance, especially considering that I think you look at the the comic book and you could argue it has moved into genre mm-hmm. territory. Even the, even the mainline Archie comic uh, is in the minority to some degree. I mean, if you look at the rest of their, their publishing right now. Yeah. Um, and they actually brought back their, their... Red Circle. Their Red Circle comic. The superhero stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's, which is kind of cool. Um, let's see. What else is out there? Oh, we've got casting news for American Gods. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. Ian McShane. <laughs> As Wednesday. In American Gods. Yeah. Well, because um, er- earlier uh, we had gotten Ricky Whittle mm-hmm. from the 100. Right. I think he played Lincoln on the 100. He's going to play. He's the lead, right? Shadow, Shadow, which is an excellent. Uh, uh, he he, uh, having read the book and really, he's got the look. He's definitely got the look. Yeah. So there's that, and and he's got uh, in McShane now playing Mister Wednesday. For the folks uh, at home who don't know, uh, spoiler for the story, but not not a huge one. I mean, it's it's revealed fairly early. Uh, basically, Ian McShane is playing Odin. Oh, is that who that is? Ian McShane is playing. The, the number one Norse god. Well, that makes sense. Woden, Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, yeah, no. That's that, very yeah. clever. That's and, very clever. Uh, and quite frankly, um, I can see scenes in the book that if they adapt them relatively accurately in, in the show are just going to be a mixture of hysterical and terrifying. <laughs> because the, some, of the, some of the dialogue is, I mean, a lot of the dialogue is very funny. Yeah. Um, but it's also very, very dark. And that's going to be, that's... <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> uh, now, this is completely not genre, mm-hmm. but Jordana Brewster is now on uh, the Lethal Weapon pilot. Right. Lethal Weapon getting going going to TV series. Don't know why. Right. You know what I wanted? I wanted a, a loaded weapon <laughs> sequel. <laughs> Um, I don't. From I, the files of Police Squad. I don't. I don't know that I need a a lethal weapon reboot. Um, no. But uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. She's <laughs> going to play Doctor Maureen Cahill. She's a hostage negotiator. I suspect that the new lethal weapon is going to be a lot. Well, less, it's, it's McGee. A lot less like da- lethal well, weapon. <laughs> well, Damon Wayans is playing Murtaugh. Okay, sure. Uh, he's got Danny Glover's part. Uh huh. Um, Who's playing Riggs? I don't think. I don't think we have casting on Riggs yet. No, we don't. They could flip it and actually give Mel Gibson a job again. 
he'd be the old <laughs> he'd be the, the old guy. <laughs> it could. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. No. <laughs> um, okay, finally. This is not technically casting, but we're going to talk about it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Earlier, was it last week, I think? Late last week, we got news that Nicholas Meyer had come yeah. on board the Star Trek TV series yep. as a writer and a consulting producer. And today... We get word that Rod Roddenberry is also going yeah. to be involved in this project. Really? And everybody went, oh, a Roddenberry working on Star Trek? Who would have heard of such a yes. thing? So, yeah. So, um, our, our friends over at 1701 News have a, have a write-up. We'll give them a plug because yeah. uh, Michael Hinman joined us on the most recent Echo Chamber. And he was a welcome addition. And he was. And we actually broke news on that podcast. Oh, yes, we did. Yes, making because Michael made the announcement there that uh, he had somehow obtained a copy of the Axanar script. Or a script from Axanar. Yes. So, so yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Um, we, and we don't get to say that very often. We don't, uh, we don't nice get when we do, but... Yes. Exclusives would be nice. You know, every now and then we scoop somebody, we get it out there first. That's true. Uh, but we're not the only ones that get it. So if you've got a news tip. By all means, let us know. We're more than ready to, uh, to accept your email. <laughs> we'll keep you anonymous. We'll do the backlight. Keep you in silhouette. Voice, voice, voice distortion. Voice, yes, voice distortion. Yeah. It was it was Sunday night. <laughs> it was Sunday night, and I know I wasn't supposed to be there, but I got a hold of this thing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. We we swear you won't sound like that. Rod Roddenberry. <laughs> Rod Roddenberry joining the Star Trek series, and now people are sitting there going, "This actually sounds like it might be pretty cool." And yet, unfortunately, what we don't know yet is. Anything about, Anything about it. it. Yeah. Well, okay, so Brian Fuller, mm-hmm. Alex Kurtzman. Now, see, that's, that's the one hang-up still for everybody is the fact that Kurtzman is involved. But you've got now Nicholas Meyer, Rod Roddenberry, and people are kind of looking at it. It might, maybe this is... You know, and the and the announcement that you know CBS making it very clear, this show is not connected to the movies, right? The current movies, the JJ Trek movies, which everybody went, oh, huzzah! At least a a a good a good number of fans. Maybe well, not and, all and of them. the question is, is are you really going to do more than a trilogy with the movies? Because I hope not. Well, I mean, there's there's a sustainability factor that if I were paramount right now for all the fact that you have the Star Trek franchise there with you, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. Um, I don't know. I mean, a trilogy is a good place to stop at least for a while. And you can always come back to it if you sit there and, you know, so give it several years down the line and go, okay, well, let's do another one, you know. but Well, I'd, I've had the thought for a number of years that... One of the things that you could do is a Starfleet series that gives you the opportunity to be on 
different ships. Sure. And since the bridge is modular, your bridge set is modular. Right. You do like you did in Star Trek Two, where you take the science console and you pull that pie piece out and move it over here and take that console and pie piece and you know you rearrange right. the deck chairs. Sure. And you have a completely different ship. Yeah. And you can do you know, do it like an anthology. Do do three episodes on the Reliant and do two episodes on the Farragut and do six episodes over here on the Lexington and you right. know that and that way, one of the things that always everybody, you know, it's the joke. The Enterprise is the only ship in the quadrant. You right. know, it was always the only ship. Even though they sat there and said, well, there's 12 more like them in the fleet. Well, we never saw them unless they were in war games shooting at the Enterprise. Right? <laughs> or or they, were, they were coming across the, the, the half-destroyed, empty, you know, yeah, abandoned. The con- the, yeah, you know. the Constellation. Well, why don't we ever get to see those ships? Right. You know, it was one of the things that everybody liked about Star Trek Two is we actually saw another starship. Or Deep Space Nine, where we saw fleets. Yeah. Even though yeah. they were all flying way too close yeah. to each other. Starfleet, <laughs> you could do a Starfleet Star Trek mm-hmm. show and mix it up. And you know, do do different casts, and you could do a different time period. Well, you could do you could do. I mean, it, it's it's something that actually lends itself to doing a different a different story each season. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do. Six episodes, twelve episodes, thirteen episodes, and then next season it's a different ship. And, yep. and so yeah, it certainly could be easily done that way. I would see. I would like to see that. I don't know that we're ever going to get something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it should be very interesting to see what they do with it. It is. I I worry. Don't worry so much about Kurtzman, considering the people around him. Um, I think that it's going to be. It's, well, it's with, cause for optimism. Well, especially with Nick Meyer. Oh yeah, and Meyer. Is, I mean, he's the storyteller. Yeah. He is. He doesn't look there and say, "Okay, we have to be beholden to all of the Star Trek history." What What's the story? Mm-hmm. And you know, you look at Star Trek Two, which is still held up as the gold standard of Star Trek movies. Oh, sure. And it's not because it's a Star Trek movie. This This is a story, and it's been pointed out in several places. You could take this story and put it in World War Two. Mm-hmm. You could put it in the eighteen hundreds in the Wet Navy. Sure. It could be out in the middle of the desert. I mean, the mm-hmm. story still works because it's about mortality and revenge and family, family mm-hmm. and all of that kind of thing. They're universal themes. Right. Well, even even when he came back and did uh, Star Trek Six. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's and, – and, and I think you could argue very persuasively that the best Star Trek stories – were always that way. They oh, were sure, they sure. were the ones yeah. that were they were science fiction was the medium to tell mm-hmm. the story, but and the stories were often about bigger themes than what you would expect. And that's something that that for all the the problems with the television show uh, in say season three, um, where brain Spock, and brain. What is brain? Yeah. Uh huh. Um. So the, some of the, the some of the, those great stories involved uh, talking about larger things like you know war and love and race and, mm. and so many different things. So I it, it's I'm actually, I'm actually excited that there's a Star Trek TV series coming back. Except nobody's going to be able to see it because it's going to be on CBS All Access, which you got to have to pay for. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, let's we'll see. 
But you know what? People are paying for Netflix. They're paying for Showtime and HBO and Cinemax. Well, and that's and the other thing. They're sitting there going, I'm already paying for all of this. Why do I have to pay another? Exactly. You're going to make me pay more for something and stuff. Well, so. we'll see what happens. Let's see how well that model works. I mean, it's, it's well, somebody. According, according to Les Moonves, uh, CBS you know, executive, he says that all of those uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, they all wanted the Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. They all wanted it. And it would have made sense to put it on Netflix because that's what most people have. But I can see where CBS wants to put it on their thing because they want people to use their thing. Of course. It's proprietary. It only makes sense. We'll have to see how it works out, though. I have a feeling they'll unlock it a lot faster than we think they will now. Oh, I'd be surprised if it, if it, uh, especially if it's getting good reviews, they're not going to keep it, you know. Mm-hmm. Eh, they might. <laughs> I don't know. But well, still, it seems, it, it seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it does. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it. Speaking of bad ideas, <clears throat> continuing this conversation past the point of no return. Um, There's no such thing with us. <laughs> We've, like, we we haven't gone too far yet, but it, there's. I mean, we we could keep going. That's just the problem. Is that we have to stop somewhere on this because there's yes. a lot of news coming out. Yeah, there is, and and we will we will continue to update over on uh, our sci-fi for me and in the meantime, you can let us know what you think of all of these casting choices, uh, especially Iron Fist because that's the one everybody's talking about. Uh, you can send us an email, h2o at sci-fi for me.com, or you can leave a comment on all of the different places where you can comment. Uh, social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, YouTube, Tumblr. And uh, we do have a number of, we've got seven podcasts going right now on iTunes and one, Stitcher. Two, three, yeah, we've got, wow. we've got Level 117, which is the Marvel one, Rogues mm-hmm, Gallery, right. which is DC. Mm-hmm. We've got Echo Chamber. Right. Uh, this one, Eight Bits, which is the video game show, mm-hmm. and we have um, Sci-Fi for Chicks. Right. Right now they're talking about I Zombie, and then we have Grimly Speaking, which is the that's, Grim podcast. That's true. We that's have that seven, as well. and then Sci-Fi XY comes back in the summer. That's eight. We're a chatty lot, aren't we? We are. Lots of content. Lots uh, of content. There's so much content. Yes. So uh, you are invited to check it all out. Let us know what you think. Uh, we've got TV stuff over on our YouTube channel as well. So, I mean, lots, lots of things. Lots of things to uh, to watch and listen and read. And let us know what you think. And we will be back with another episode of H2O next week. Sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. We like that. Thanks for listening, folks. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio.